0: Welcome to Beyond Speaking with Brian Lord, a podcast featuring deeper conversations with the world's top speakers. Hi, I'm Brian Lord, your host of the Beyond Speaking podcast. And today we have on Andrew Tarvin, who's the author of several books, including Humor That Works. And then also your uh, TEDx video has been viewed 6 million times. Times. that's true i think only half of which were my mom but, uh, <laughs> she just it, has it on she repeat. just repeats like oh that's my boy <laughs> train the cat hit the button uh-huh. and keep going yeah, exactly so how did you so you're a pretty interesting guy so you've mm-hmm. you've written these books you're an engineer mm-hmm. um what made you focus on humor Sure. Well, the
1: the uh, the starting story for focusing on humor as a topic was uh, I remember being in a meeting at Procter & Gamble. So I started working at P&G right after I graduated. And I was in this meeting uh, and it was one of those incredibly boring meetings, you know, like the, the point, like so boring you want to cry type <laughs> meeting, the, yeah. like the boring where you're daydreaming about doing other things and the other things aren't exciting. They're things like, uh, Uh, You're like, I wish I could be folding laundry right now. (laughs) And I wish I could be like doing email, something like that. And the problem with that particular meeting was that I was the one leading the meeting. And it's like, all right, if if I'm bored while talking, they have to be bored while listening. And so I had this kind of epiphany. I'm an engineer by background. I was like, okay, if I can solve most problems, can I solve the problem of boredom? And I had been doing improv and stand-up since college, and I was like, oh, maybe I can bring some of the improv and stand-up into what I do, just to make it more fun for me. And as I started to do that, I started to realize I was getting better results in the workplace, right? As a project manager, people were actually coming to my meetings, and uh, they were responding to my emails and all that stuff. So I started to explore that intersection more of not just humor for the sake of entertainment, but humor as a strategic tool.
0: Now, did you actually get more people at your meetings? Like, did this pan out? Did it make other meeting leaders jealous or anything like uh, that? It didn't necessarily
1: make them jealous, but it did cause people to, to come. Like, I, people would tell me where, like, I had two meetings on my calendar today, but I chose yours because I knew it would be more fun, um, <laughs> right, in terms of, like, if they're double scheduled. Or uh, the way that I knew it was working with emails, I used to include a, a joke at the end of each one of my weekly status reports because uh, I love puns and wordplay, and so I'd, I'd write a custom joke for that. And I remember coming into the office one day and having a bunch of replies to a certain email message. And I was like, oh no, like, what did I do? And I opened the email reply and it was basically people saying, uh, you forgot your joke. So I had forgotten to write a joke one week and they're like, <laughs> where was the joke? You, I was expecting a joke. Are you still doing the jokes? The jokes are the reason why I open your email. And so it was just saying this recognition that as a project manager, I realized like, Oh, the jokes were actually getting people to pay attention to this one message. So it did, it seemed to work.
0: Wow, so what was the, were you afraid at all? I know a lot of times Mm -hmm. people don't use humor because of fear that they're gonna say something wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of environments now where you can't say, there's a lot of things you can't say. How did you get the courage to do that? And, and I guess, what advice would you give to people who might want to do the same?
1: Yeah, well, I think for me, the reason why I wasn't quite as afraid is, is pretty early on in my standup career, I decided that I always wanted my material to be rated mom. Like, (laughs) I always wanted my mom to be able to watch me do comedy and be like proud that I was up there, right? Because some comedians talk about some pretty, um, what we in the industry call blue material. Um, And I never wanted to do that. So the jokes that I was making in the workplace were appropriate to begin with. But you're exactly right. Uh, You know, you want to make sure that what you're saying is appropriate. And one of the things that I've realized since then is it's not always about trying to be seen as a funny person. It's not always about making the perfectly crafted joke. Um, and pushing the boundaries. That's what a comedian does, push the boundaries and all that. Uh, But as a person in the workplace, it's more about, okay, how do I use humor to be more effective? And how do I, maybe it's not about making someone laugh, but it's about making them smile. And so in general, keeping it kind of positive, inclusive uh, is is a good rule of thumb. Like what, what we say is the newspaper rule. Right, would you, whenever it is, whatever it is that you said showing up in the front page of your hometown newspaper? And if you're like, ah, I don't know if I'd want my boss to read that I said this joke to this person, it's probably not the right thing to say at work.
0: So if someone is not, if they don't think of themselves as funny, so even though he is funny, we'll use our silent producer, Eric, who is, who's on the other side of the camera right now, and other side of the, I guess not the other side of the mic. Anyway, mm-hmm. if you wanted to give him advice on how to start this tomorrow, mm-hmm. if he's writing emails or yeah. running a meeting or something, what what advice would you give him to start?
1: Well, uh, first of it, is, it's a mindset change, right? Part of it is recognizing that humor is a skill, which means it can be learned. Uh, and I know that because I'm someone who had to learn how to use humor. You know, I've done over a thousand shows as a stand-up and improv comedian. As you mentioned, the TEDx talk has over 6 million views on the skill of humor. And so there's reason to believe that I am at least a somewhat funny person to funny to some people. And I went to my high school reunion not too long ago. People found out that I did comedy and they're like, but you're not funny. <laughs> yeah, Because right? I'm not, I'm not that life of the party type person. I'm very much an introvert. Um, even sometimes when I speak, people will be, I'll t- chat with people before, and then I'll get up on stage and, and do my thing. And I'll come back afterwards and I'll be like, we had no idea you were the speaker. We had no idea that you were like a comedian. Cause I'm not outward. To, we have this stereotype of people that they're like the boisterous ones, the ones always talking. And the reality is again, humor is a skill, which means it can be learned. And so it's about, okay, what are, what do you need to learn for humor? How do you get started? And so the tip that I would give for anyone who wants to start to, to start to incorporate a little bit more humor is to do what most comedians do, and that's what's keep a, a humor notebook, right? To keep a repository where anytime you have kind of this funny thought to yourself or anytime in conversation you make someone laugh uh, or anytime you see something in the world that you think like, huh? That's kind of interesting. You write it down in this notebook, and what that does is one gives you a repository to always go back to. Like then, if you want to be funny, you can be like, "Oh, what are some of the interesting ideas that I've had?" Uh, but two, it also starts to to train your brain to see humor in the world. Right? It's it's kind of like a, an aspect aspect of the reticular activating system. If you're familiar with RAS, uh, if you're listening, you're not familiar with RAS. It's basically the way I understand it, it's, it's kind of about selective attention. That's one of the the things that it does. And it's that idea like if a friend of yours buys a certain type of car and then you start to see that car everywhere, right? It's not that there's more of those cars on the road. Usually it's more just that your brain used to filter that information out and now it has this new information. It's like, oh, maybe you should notice when that car is there because maybe it's your friend driving next to you. And so the same thing is true with humor. As you start to capture more of the humor that you see every day, you start to notice it more and more. And I don't think that funny things happen to funny people. I think that funny people see the world in a funny way. And so the, the tip number one that I would say is to start with that humor notebook. So you're capturing one, you're, you're probably going to notice more that you're laughing a lot day to day more than you realize you probably notice that you make other people laugh more than you realize like with your friends and stuff and then you can start to, to articulate you know that a little bit more
0: intentionally so that's a little bit on the how mm-hmm. of being funny yep. but why should you want to be funny in the workplace other than getting people to meetings exactly why even do it
1: well uh, that's a great uh, it's a great question and there are more than 30 benefits to using humor in the workplace um, that are backed by research case studies real-world examples right? I'm an engineer. That's what I like. We we've done the research on that. (laughs) And it it ranges from all manner of things. It can help you to be more efficient in terms of how you execute things. Like if you, uh, if you enjoy your work, you're going to do it more. Cause I, I can ask you a dumb question. And for the people listening, you can think about this for yourself as well, but would you rather do something that is fun or not fun? I'll go with a right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Most people are going to say fun. So it stands to reason if you were to make your meetings a little bit more fun, people would be more likely to come. If you were to make your own work a little bit more fun, you'd be more engaged in it. You'd be more excited about going into it, you know, each and every day. So it can help you with execution. It can help you with stress management, right? We know that stress by itself is not a bad thing. Stress is how we grow. But when we don't relieve chronic stress, that's when we see an increase in blood pressure, a decrease in our immune system, an increase in, muscle tension. Well, when we laugh, we actually release stress. We see an increase in uh, our boost to our immune system. We see a decrease in our blood pressure, a decrease in muscle tension. And so humor can be a great kind of uh, way to counteract the negative effects of stress. You can do it from a communication perspective. When people use humor, people are more likely to listen, right? If you think about the people that you pay attention to every single day, a lot of times it's people who entertain you. Like uh, Seinfeld says, there's no such thing as an attention span, only boring content. Yeah. so if you want people to actually listen to what you're talking about you sprinkle in some humor and that will get them to do that all the way up to like leadership leaders who use humor are seen as being more in control and more on top of things leaders who use humor whose uh sense of humor is rated as above average see less attrition less turnover um year to year so there's like there's tons of benefits to using humor it's more about okay why do you specifically want to and i think that's an important distinction this isn't I I don't. I don't talk about humor because it's like, use humor for the sake of humor and try to be funny and, you know, hope that people think that you're a really funny person. It's like, no, use humor as a strategic tool
0: to get these specific results when you're looking for it. Uh, Who are, and I, I know we haven't prepped for this, but who are some funny business people? Ooh, some funny
1: business people. That's a great question. I think, um, uh, Oh, who am I thinking of? I mean, like, so you immediately think of some of the meme worthy type people. So, like, Elon Musk certainly has a sense of humor in terms of how he does certain things and some of the memes that he shares out um, as well. Warren Buffett is actually very humorous in ways. If you've ever read the Warren Buffett like annual report, there is intentional humor throughout some of the interviews that he does. He has some great, you know, metaphors that are kind of comedic, um and humorous that he's used. So I think he's a great example of using that um, as well. And then uh, of course you naturally think of some entertainment entertainers who like, if you think back to Jon Stewart, some of the things that he was talking about, yes, he was on a comedy show, but at least of my generation, most of us got our news from the Daily show because it was entertaining and informative.
0: Yeah. And that's one of those things that I think is pretty fascinating about how you can kind of go back through and look and see. I mean, there are some very dry boring, successful people, mm-hmm. but there are some, some pretty funny ones as well. And you can kind of see how they use that in there, even though like sometimes maybe like Warren Buffett, I don't know if you want to call it like folksy type of Friend. humor <laughs> and then other people may have some more uh, you know different types of humor, but it all kind of plays into having that relatability, that connection. And obviously in politics, you, you know, I like, remember Ronald Reagan was really mm-hmm. funny and uh, you know, some others have, have used humor quite a bit there as well.
1: Yeah. And Obama had used a lot of humor in the, the types of work that he's, uh, you know, that he was doing and into debates. And Lincoln, I mean, if you look at uh, some pretty big leaders, pretty popular leaders, they have all used humor as well. So Lincoln was a huge proponent of humor. Um, Gandhi talked about the importance of humor. Martin Luther King talked about the, the importance of humor. So that's, I think, the other thing that people can recognize is that, uh, you know, just because you use humor around something doesn't mean that you don't take it seriously. And in fact, you know, some of the work that we do is with more serious organizations. And if what you have to say is important, Uh, then if people are bored when you're saying it, there are very serious consequences. And so if you want people to really resonate with a certain message because it's important to get out there, then you would use whatever tools exist
0: that are effective with humans. And we know that humor is particularly effective with people. Now, humor at work's blog. The humor at work's blog is the best place to go to learn about humor. But where are some other places? Uh, that's of course, that's of course, your, yeah. Drew's uh, Drew's uh, area there. But yep. uh, where are some other places, like podcasts or other places where people can go that you recommend?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of fascinating content uh, out there in this space. I think uh, you know. So some of us earlier were talking about the Good Ones podcast, which is getting um, famous comedians on, and then they talk about how the the process that they wrote pretty popular jokes and kind of what they've went through. So I think pot, you know, the uh, good ones podcast is a, is a really good one. Um, I think um, just experiencing more of it in general, whatever your sense of humor happens to be, that's another good step to take if you're like, hey, I want to maybe get started in, in using humor, is to experience it more and discover what is your sense of humor. And so just listening to other comedians and look at it just from an eye, not just of like, oh, did this make me laugh, but then start to look at it and be like, okay, why did I laugh? What did that person do with their voice? Or what did, you know, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is actually a pretty accurate show when it comes from stand up and the sense of how long it takes to write some things and that it's an iterative approach. So like look at, you know, even a show like that of like, okay, why are people laughing? Why did that make me laugh? And just analyzing it from a slightly different perspective helps you to start to develop that that skill. There's also plenty of great books out there. Um, Born Standing Up by Steve Martin Good is book. a fantastic book. It's more of an autobiography, but in it, you kind of learn what his process was like learning humor. He also has a masterclass on masterclass.com. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of check that out. So there's, there's tons of resources out there. If you're interested in it, there's, there's opportunity to learn more.
0: Yeah. And, it, and a lot of comedians I've noticed will share that. Like there's uh, Jerry before Seinfeld mm-hmm. is fascinating where he lays out, it takes up an entire street of his yellow notepad pieces of paper of all his jokes. I don't know if you've seen that as yeah. well, but it's, oh, yeah. it's just incredible what it goes through. But you're not that people that are listening have to do that. But yeah, it's, it, it's not that of level of breakdown. detail,
1: but it is recognizing that, you know, sometimes, especially as we get older, we try something once and we don't do well at it. And we're like, oh, I'm just not good at that. And so we, we give up forever. Um, like I just recently started, uh, I went skiing for the very first time. And of course I fell a lot. And if it's like, oh, if I stopped skiing after the first time I fell, it's like I would be done. But... I went through the process and learned a little bit more. I still fall a lot, but I had a great time. You know, I, I got all the way up to intermediate routes, uh, which I was pretty proud about. But the same is...
0: <laughs> is that blue or green? I that can't is blue. blue. So I went from, I went from the go. baby
1: slopes where you ride the magic carpet and you're there with the toddlers <laughs> yeah, who yeah. like can barely walk, but are great at skiing uh, to then the green routes and then one or two, you know, blue routes. But that's exactly, I mean, it's like any skill. You're going to fail at first, but uh, over time you get you get better with practice and repetition and stand up is the same way. And so actually that's kind of step two of typically what we teach is number one is is to keep a humor notebook. Um, that helps you develop your sense of humor and identify it more. The number two is to improve your ability to humor, which is by getting quote unquote stage time. Mm-hmm. And this is practicing it. So stage time could be going and doing an open mic, which is a great way to like I think stand up is one of the hardest forms of public speaking you'll ever do. Mm-hmm. So if you get good at that, you get at other forms. Like that's why I still do stand up is working on materials for some customization when I'm working with different clients. And on your
0: site, you've got yep. the uh, link there where people can go type in their city and find yep. it. So, yeah, which exactly. is really funny. There's like barbecue places in tennis. I just looked it up. Yeah. There's barbecue places where you can go do stand-up. Right, exactly. There's funny.
1: tons of places that you can go and, <laughs> and do this. But you can also think about, I mean, the, to to be a Shakespearean about it, right? All the world's a stage. So, you can also use, I tweet out puns and and wordplay. And then I'll often go back and look after you know a few weeks to be like, okay, which jokes actually did well? What did people respond to on Facebook? or on Twitter. And so that's a way to test it. Or you can test small ideas with, you know, your coworkers or with your friends to be like, Hey, I was thinking about this idea. What do you think of this? Right? So there is this iterative practice approach that whether you are Jerry Seinfeld writing this all out or someone who's
0: starting for the first time, there is going to be a practice component to what you do. One thing I think you point out, that's really fascinating. So in the speaking world, corporate world, you know, the past three or four years, storytelling has been the thing where people, mm-hmm. you, you point out, used to be kind of this thing people didn't really see as a business tool, but now it's very much so. And that mm-hmm. humor, and I've noticed this a lot too, humor is kind of the next wave that storytelling gets you there and then and then humor gets you even farther. Kind of tell us more about how you feel that's playing into the speaking world now.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's absolutely true. Right. We've recognized that, you know, and it, it took us maybe a surprisingly amount of time to understand the value of story, even though like we thought, oh, that's just entertainment. But it's like, oh, no, story is how we communicate it before we ever had even the written word. Right. It's how we passed on information. We have naturally been storytellers as humans. Uh, and so people have started to pick up on that, but the next wave I do think is going to be humor one because humor improves stories, right? Cause sometimes we tell a long epic story and there's valuable kind of plot pieces to it, but if the story is boring, no one's going to listen to it. So you can use humor throughout a story so that people stay engaged and they stay listening to that, that message in that story. But also humor is more broad than jokes. It's more broad than comedy It's more broad than story. And so when maybe a story doesn't quite work right story maybe sets the stage and gets people ready but then if you're going to explain something you're not necessarily going to be like here's the story of you know me telling you where you then just tell the person the steps that they need to do those things anyway Um, right you don't necessarily need to put that into a story format but you can use something like an association where you're then relating something that you have to train with something that people like, right? So for example, you see this a lot in say content marketing, where people are more effective if they're going to explain something rather than just explain it, they're going to be like, here are the five ways that, uh, you know, content marketing is like Game of Thrones. And people are like, oh, I already like Game of Thrones. <laughs> so now I can kind of connect these dots and see, oh, okay, it's like Khaleesi in this and just make sure that you don't have like a season eight fiasco on your hands and sure, all that, sure. like whatever your commentary <laughs> is on that. But association is great because you can connect what, people have to know with what they like to know. And so that's where humor comes into play. Why I think it's the next evolution from storytelling is it builds off of storytelling and also helps to fill in some of the gaps
0: where it maybe isn't quite the right fit. So to close up here, you have a pretty interesting story on how you're, video went from 3,000 <laughs> views to millions of views. So let's, let's tell us how that happened.
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm an engineer, and so I, I like to understand cause and effect. And so my TEDx talk on the skill of humor it came out in like June of 2017. Six months later in January, it had 3,000 views. Um, by the year anniversary, so six months after that, it had a million. And the only thing that I did differently uh, was I put the, an image of me on the TEDx stage on my dating profiles. <laughs> uh, so I put it like on hinge and bumble. And that's the only thing that I know that I did differently. And, and then it shot up. If, if that many people saw my dating profile, not that many people matched with me. So there's a lot of people <laughs> that were like, Nope, not, he's too nerdy. He's not for me. I don't know if it was that, but, uh, or it got popular somewhere and people started to, to see it. Cause it always, it was always good, like, like to dislike ratio. And I've done actually the kind calculations all of that my i talked about stories about my grandmother and she's an amazing person so that's probably more of why it happened but who knows maybe it was just the dates
0: thank you for joining us for the beyond speaking podcast to learn more about today's guest, go to beyondspeak.com make sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you listen